This is the Black and Blue Report, presented by ABC Insurance Agencies. A better choice for insurance. Now, from Studio B or wherever the Saints and Pelicans might be, here's Brianna Nowlin and Cassie Calvert. Good morning, Saints and Pelicans fans. I'm Cassie Calvert filling in for Daniel Salerson, who is under the weather today, so we're sending him our best wishes. Pelicans coming off a big win last night over the Phoenix Suns, topping the Suns 111-106. It was a tight one. This game went down to the wire. Pelicans-Suns matchups have been great games to watch so far this season. Last night, no exception. These teams have had two games go into overtime already this season, and last night it looked like they might have a third. But the Pelicans were able to close out the game in the final minute, and we'll hear from Jim Eichenhofer later on this episode about how the team was able to close this one out while they've struggled to close out some recent games on the road. Pelicans will finish out the short homestand tomorrow night playing host to the Utah Jazz for social media night at the Smoothie King Center, and then they will hit the road for another four-game road trip heading into All-Star Weekend. Your last chance to see the Pelicans at home until February 23rd tomorrow night at the Smoothie King Center. This road trip was going to be all Western Conference opponents, including the final regular contest of, you heard it, the Phoenix Suns, who the Pelicans just played last night, playing them twice in one week, similar to how they did with the Wizards last week. It's funny how that works out sometimes with the scheduling. After beginning the fourth quarter, though, 0 of 6 last night, the Pelicans connected on their final 9 of 13 shots from the field. They were still down 101 to 96 with 231 on the clock, but the Pelicans were able to go on a 13-2 run until nine seconds remained in the game. Anthony Davis and Drew Holiday combining for 27 of the New Orleans' 34 fourth-quarter points. They scored 14 and 13, respectively, in the quarter. Drew Holiday put together another impressive game. For the sixth time in the last eight games, he scored at least 20 points. He finished with 30, which is his third 30-point performance in the same frame. He also flirted with a triple-double once again after being close against the Wizards. He finished with nine rebounds and seven assists. Pelicans are 9-4 and four when Holiday scores 20-plus points. He's obviously been crucial to the offense so far this season. Suns coach Earl Watson and guard Brandon Knight both praised his performance after the game. Watson said the last two minutes and 55 seconds, Drew Holiday was dominant. Knight said he's also he's been an all-star in this league for a reason. Just had a couple injuries that slowed him down a little, but he's still the same player, alluding to the all-star nod that Drew got in his time with the Philadelphia 76ers. Pelicans, after last night's game, have a 2-1 to one edge on the Suns in their head-to-head season series, with that final matchup coming just next week, like I mentioned, February 13th. Pelicans Jazz again at 7 p.m. tomorrow night in the Smoothie King Center. The Jazz are riding a three-game winning streak coming into New Orleans. They are at fourth in the West at 33-19. and 19. They are coming off a 120-95 win at Atlanta, a monster game for Goran Hayward. He posted 30 points, 7 rebounds, 5 assists, 2 steals in just 30 minutes on the court. He is going to be an all-star for the first time this for, in his career this season as well. He will be a reserve for the West. He also dropped a season high two games ago when the Jazz topped the Hornets 105-98. to Jim will also preview that upcoming Jazz game for us later on. And Saints fans, we have a little special treat for you in honor of this day in history. Seven years ago today, the Saints won the Super Bowl. 
the Saints topped the Indianapolis Colts 31-17 to in South Florida for the franchise's Super Bowl victory. We are going to have a special treat for you coming up later in today's episodes. We'll relive a special part of that game. So obviously a fun day in Saints history for us today, and we'll have some good Pelicans preview of Wednesday night's game as well. The New Orleans Pelicans have the perfect way for you to win the night with your bud by scoring the Guys Night Out ticket package presented by Coors Light. Packages are available for select Pelicans home games throughout the season and include two tickets and four Coors Light beers, plus two collectible pint glasses, all for as low as $50. Win the night with the next Guys Night Out on Wednesday, February 8th against the Utah Jazz. Visit pelicans.com to plan your Guys Night Out today. We all know Saints fans are humble, hardworking, likable, and the most devoted fans in the league. All of that takes energy. The energy you get from a warm bowl of Campbell's Chunky Soup. Its meaty goodness fuels the greatness of Saints fans everywhere. Try the delicious Chunky Chicken and Sausage Gumbo. Just visit your local Winn-Dixie and ask for Campbell's Chunky Soup. The hearty way to fuel your game. And the official soup of the New Orleans Saints. We're talking Pelicans basketball on the Black and Blue Report. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. I'm Cassie Calvert filling in for Daniel this morning, and we're joined like our Tuesday tradition with Jim, Pelicans.com writer. Jim, Pelicans closed out a close one last night, topping the Suns 111-106. to Those fourth quarters have been a little bit of a problem for the Pelicans recently, closing out those tight games, but they were able to do that last night. What was different about this game? I think it was really both ends of the floor. Um, they were more aggressive, I thought, defensively last night. They ended up with 11 blocks as a team. And offensively, they were able to come up with some big scores in the last um, two minutes. But, I mean, you said it, it. That was that was exactly the difference between what happened on the road trip and what happened in the game against Phoenix is just the, the fourth quarter was, was a was really a negative for most of that road trip, but last night in the last couple minutes they went on a huge went on a seven zero run when the game was at stake, and that was the difference in the in the win. So Drew said after the game that they had to be play scrappy and make those defensive plays to propel the offense. Is that kind of what you saw that the stops on defense led to those offensive opportunities? Yeah, um, I mean Phoenix is a is a good team, a good offensive team. They're not a good defensive team at all. So to um, hold them to 43% from the field, um, like I mentioned, uh, 11 of those 11 of those 53 missed shots that Phoenix had were because they were blocked. Um, Phoenix was five for 27 on three pointers, and Devin Booker was one for eight. So that was seemed to be one of the things that the the players talked about a lot after the game, and and Elvin Gentry as well, that they did a good job on Devin Booker. He had a he had a bad shooting night, but I think they also affected some of the looks that he got and he he absolutely killed the Pelicans in the, the game earlier this season in the maybe the first or second week of the season when Phoenix won in overtime so I think that was definitely a, a big factor as well and something that New Orleans focused on a lot and was, was able to do much better in this um, third game against Phoenix this season. Yeah Gentry credited Solomon Hill with doing a good job of containing Booker was that 
I think he's one of those guys that Pelicans fans may not have necessarily seen on the stat sheet, but Gentry has talked a lot about his stops defensively and just how much he has shown there. Is that what you've seen? Is that what you saw last night? Yeah. Um, I think one one stat from the game last night, and I know people sometimes do get carried away with plus minus as far as like mm-hmm. in one game or in a small sample, but the Pelicans were – Outscored the Suns by 17 when Solomon Hill was in the game last night. So, I mean, like you said, there a lot of times you can't really look at the stats to, to determine what kind of impact he had on the game. He hasn't had a good offensive year by any stretch, to be completely honest. But um, some of what he's done on the defensive end does get overlooked sometimes. Um, he had a steal and a block last night, so those are those are you know stats that you can look at. But um, overall, I think some there's been some games where you look at the lack of efficiency by some of the players that he guards and some of the, you know, uncharacteristic poor games of of some of the better offensive players of the other team. And those are probably, that's probably one of the better ways that you can measure the kind of game that Solomon ha- has from time to time. Yeah, that's an interesting thing to look for, certainly. The Pelican Suns games this season, though, have all been so highly contested. Both the other two games were decided by one point in overtime. What has been so unique about the matchup of these two teams? You know, I'm not sure. It's it's a, it's a good question. I think going back to the first game of the season, which was um, Pelican's sixth game, so it was pretty early, November 4th. Um, there seemed to be there seemed to be some chippiness between the teams. Um, one guy that I've seen be physical, and this is not unique to he's only physical against the Pelicans, but P.J. Tucker has been, been – it seemed like not to complain too much about a game that happened two three months ago, but he, it seemed like he was re- really physical in that first game and maybe got away with some stuff that, you know, some games the refs will call, some games they let it go and at the game, you know, officiate the game a little bit more loosely. But um, – there seems to be some, for for some reason, there seems to be some animosity between the teams. I'm not sure exactly what accounts for that, but it's it's definitely been three kind of playoff-like games in terms of just what's happened on the court. You seem like neither team really gives an inch, and I can't really explain that because there's really not any logical reason I can come up with why the Suns and the Pelicans would have that type of um you know bitterness towards each other, but. But um, it has been two or three really good games. And, I mean, there's two teams that have somewhat similar records. I know the Pelicans are about, I think, four games better than the Suns now. So it's not not exactly the same tier of the conference. But um, just two teams that, that um really need wins. And I think that was part of what happened last night was just it seemed like both teams were really um, intense and and know know that they need wins as much as they can get. AD even showed some uncharacteristic emotion in last night's game. We don't see that from him a lot either. Yeah, it's it, it seems like you haven't haven't seen it as much this season as in the past. Um, it seems like he does that sometimes at home when there's a key moment to try to get people fired up, and I, the crowd always responds to that. Mm-hmm. So it's it's almost like you don't want, and I want to. I don't want to recommend that he be fake about it or whatever, or do it when you know all the time because then it gets old. But it seems like it's something that he, I wouldn't mind seeing him do more often because people always get um, excited when he does that. And you saw like one of the biggest um, ovations of the game last night. Maybe the biggest was when 
he, he grabbed that rebound that you're alluding to, and everybody kind of gave him a standing ovation, and everybody was psyched. So, so yeah, it was. Um, I think the way he reacted to that, the way he explained it, and the way I kind of perceived it, even before he discussed it, was discussed that um, play was just that it was kind of the culmination of a lot of frustration lately of the way things have been going where on every game of that road trip, there was a point where you thought this is realistically a game they can win and that, but they still ended up with three straight losses. So I think there was a lot of um, emotions coming out when, when they, they kind of realized that last night they were going to finally pick up a win in what was another really hard fought game. So one negative to come out of last night's game for the Pelicans was that Tyreek did not return after halftime after aggravating that left ankle sprain he's been dealing with. We haven't really seen a completely healthy Tyreek so far this season. He's been on minutes restrictions from the from since he came back. Do you think we get a healthy Tyreek before the end of the season? And what does what does his absence mean to the Pelicans? Um, it's hard for me to predict that as far as you know when we're going to see. 100% Tyreek, or if we're going to see him by the end of the season. Um, I mean, I think you can you can see a difference. It's 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 funny. He's had a couple games where, and I think this is pretty uh, pretty common for a guy that came off of knee surgery like him, and you know had, had been out for a while. He's had games where he looks like his old self. Like the Brooklyn game, he was great off the dribble. He was getting into the paint. He was getting to the rim. It, it seems like he he gets to. He gets to the paint a lot, like he always does. But the difference between, I think, some of his better games and some of the games like last night, he didn't play well before he he came out, and some of the other games lately is just not being able to finish plays at the rim. It it does seem like some nights he doesn't have the same you know explosiveness that you're used to seeing from him, but other nights he does. So um, I think that's uh, it's hard for me to really predict what's going to happen with him the rest of the season, but. Um, I think that's just one thing that people should watch for. That's one thing I I look for from game to game is it just seems like some nights you, you watch him and you're like, okay, this is, this is old Tyreek. And then other games, it just, he just doesn't have the same explosiveness, but I think that's all the part of the process of he was out for 10 or 11 months. And then, you know, he's just, he's still trying to work his way back in and he's still on a minute restriction. So it's, it's, um it's a pretty lengthy process, but hopefully as the, the season progresses, we'll see more frequently games like he had at Brooklyn where he was just really good and, and was a real problem for the Nets defense. On the flip side, Drew Holiday is looking like his old self. He's starting to put together some really con- um, consecutive, consistent games. This was his sixth time in the last eight where he scored at least 20 points. Obviously, the Pelicans are much better when he is at his best. How has... has do you credit that to him just being back in basketball shape, kind of finding his chemistry with this team? I'm not sure. I mean, he's 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 been a really interesting player to watch over the time that he's been here because he, I feel like he had a, it definitely wasn't to this level, but he had a stretch similar to this a couple times earlier in, in the season. And mm-hmm. actually when he first came back after he'd been out, um, missed training camp and everything. The first three or four games he played, he was um, not to this level, but he was doing a lot of the same things where he was scoring a lot of points, he was being efficient, he was shooting really well. And then he has stretches where he, you know, doesn't shoot well, <clears throat> is really inefficient. But so it, it it just seems like it's one another one of the stretches where he he has like five or six games in a row where he's 
or even more than that, where he's been great. And um, the one thing about this one, though, is I think it's gone, it's extended longer than any of the previous ones. And just the the numbers that he's put up where he's had two 30-point games in the last um, week or so. And as I've mentioned many times on Twitter, just his his shooting percentage is a big thing with him to me in terms of measuring how he's playing. Because he, he has games where he um, doesn't shoot well, and at the end of the season he ends up in like the low 40s percentage-wise. Um, if he can get that up to like high 40s, mid mid to high 40s, I mean, he's it, it's going to put him on another level, and I think make people around the league realize how good he is. So that's been other than the Washington game or the or the game at Washington, I should say, since they played them twice, where he was five for 17 from the field. He's been really good for a long, for about seven or eight games, like you said, where he shot. I think it's that's the only game since. Um, since the Cleveland game where he was great, where he shot below 50% from the field. So, I mean, those are all really good signs as far as the way he's been playing lately. So looking ahead to Wednesday, the Pelicans will host the Jazz. The Jazz coming into New Orleans riding a three-game winning streak. They're fourth in the West. Gordon Hayward obviously having a fantastic season so far this year. He's going to be in his first All-Star game as a reserve. What have you seen so far from him this season, and what will that matchup be like for the Pelicans? I mean, he's a he's a really good player. I think people, um, kind of similar to some of the guys, like I was just referring to with Drew Holiday, I think Gordon Hayward, maybe nationwide, people don't realize how good he is because he's been on teams that haven't won as much and haven't been in the playoffs at all. So um, I think that's he's, he's he keeps getting better, but he's also on a team that's so much better, and I think that's why now – People are finally starting to say, like, hey, this guy's an all-star and deserves to be there. And, you know, he's going to get a lot more credit for and recognition for how good he is. But that team is impressive to me because they made a lot of good moves in the offseason with um, veteran guys. They, they've they had, I think they've had some issues with depth in the last few years, but they added guys like Joe Johnson and Boris Diaw and players like that. They just seem like they have a lot of guys that just know how to play and, um I think it'll be a really good matchup because the Pelicans bench has been a, a big positive for most of the season, and um, Utah has a really good bench as well. So I think that part of the game will be will be really interesting to watch. But it's a really good test for New Orleans just based on how well Utah has been playing, not only lately, but just the whole season. So a quick homestand for the Pelicans before they hit the road again four Western Conference opponents coming up. How important is it for them to kind of figure out how to win on the road heading into this road trip? I mean, it's huge. I think realistically it's the biggest factor, the biggest determining um, scenario of what's going to happen in the second half of the season because realistically if they don't play better, they don't figure out how to get more wins on the road, they have no chance of making the playoffs. I mean, I know it's it's, – it's not a not a good situation right now where they're already three and a half games out of eight, but um, that's one thing that they absolutely have to turn around is that they're six and eighteen on the road. And I haven't checked lately, but I still I think they still have more road games left than almost any team in the West, maybe any team in the West. So I mean that's that's definitely going to be the biggest um, biggest thing that determines what the fate of the season. I mean they pretty much they. They, you could argue that they pretty much have to like double how many wins they've had, you know, or double how effective they are on the road based 
compared to what they've done so far if they're going to be able to have a chance to get in the playoffs. So the Pelicans will host the Jazz tomorrow night at 7 p.m. at the Smoothie King Center before heading out on that road trip. Jim, we'll have all of your coverage on pelicans.com, and thanks as always for joining us, Jim. No problem, Jesse. Anytime. When we come back, the story of ambush. Hey, New Orleans. The world's biggest party just got even bigger because NBA All-Star 2017 is coming to the Big Easy. You know about the big game on Sunday, but there's a whole weekend of fun. Starting Friday night, come check out the BBVA Compass Rising Stars Challenge and the Celebrity Game. Then the D-League All-Star Game on Saturday. Even watch the best athletes in the world get ready at All-Star Practice. Tickets start at just $10. Don't miss out. Visit NBATickets.com now. Are you ready for a new challenge? Set your goal and go for it with the Smoothie King Change a Meal Challenge. Just change one meal a day with over 20 delicious meal replacement smoothies, all under 400 calories per 20-ounce cup, and sip your way to your goal weight. With flavors like pineapple mango, strawberry blueberry, dark chocolate banana, and more, it's easier than ever to reach for your goal. Take the Change a Meal Challenge, only at Smoothie King. Smoothies with a purpose. Take the challenge as part of a low-calorie diet and daily exercise program. Weight loss depends on individual needs. Hi, it's Mark Romig. When I'm not announcing touchdown Saints, I'm listening to the Black and Blue Report. In honor of this day seven years ago today when the Saints claimed their Super Bowl victory over the Indianapolis Colts, a final score of 31-17, to as I'm sure many Saints fans remember, we're going to relive the story of the ambush as told by some of the characters in the story itself, including Thomas Morstead, Jabari Greer, Jeff Charleston, John Carney, and Peter Finney, along with some Saints season ticket holders and fans who were in the building that day. So the Houdat Nation and the favorites from the Hoosier State locked in a tight one heading to the second half. Well, Jim, a lot of teams, when they play the Colts, they like to defer just so they don't have to face this situation where Peyton Manning gets the football in the second half after he's gone in and looked at all those pictures you see him looking at uh, every time he comes off the field. Onside kick to start the second half. We started working on that kick with Thomas Morstead in December, thinking that uh, we'll put some more tools in his tool belt for the playoffs. And he picked it up really well, very talented uh, player who also kicked field goals and kicked off in college. So uh, it was not hard for Thomas to learn that kick. You know, he kind of had played around with it and uh, had worked it and worked it and worked it. And so uh, we knew that he was able to kick it, but it's kind of difficult to practice, particularly down there. But, uh, but yeah, we, we did the situation uh, with a full team, I don't know, four, five, six, ten times maybe, but uh, certainly more, it was really his kick more than anything. So we saw film on it. I maybe practiced it once that week. And then uh, then we didn't really practice the whole bye week leading up to the Super Bowl. So just really the week of the Super Bowl. Welcome to Sun Life Stadium. The condition's ideal. It's clear. We expect the temperatures to settle somewhere in the 50s and just very light winds. That's it. 
Maybe it's favorable conditions for these two high-powered attacks to really get in the gear here tonight. A third down play. Manning's going to the end zone. When you get to that position, you're in the Super Bowl. I just remember all of a sudden, bam, the first half's over, and I knew we were we were in a great opportunity to, 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 to do what we wanted to do, but it went by very quickly. And Harley is good again. As time runs out on the first half, Saints own that quarter and come up with two field goals. So much for the high-scoring game we thought we might have here. Going into the locker room at, during the Super Bowl, Coach Payton... Uh, went up to Coach Mack and said, uh, we're starting the second half with the onside kick. He said he's going to call it. And Coach Payton notoriously is as confident and as cocky as he want to be. You know, this is something that we're sincerely, we've game planned. Um, it's an executed play. And so, yeah, we, we pretty much knew that we were going to run that going in, uh, coming out of half. When Coach comes in and says that, you know, it's 10-6 at the halftime. Everyone was confident, and we definitely had a uh, risky group that liked to take risks, risks but uh, at the same time, there, were, there, were, there probably was definitely some uncertainty. We told Thomas Morstead that. <laughs> Thomas Morstead sat in his locker with his helmet on, his chin strap buckled, and didn't move for 30 minutes. I definitely, my, my uh, heart was racing, and uh, John Carney was... Uh, consoling me in the locker room, you know, telling me it was going to be all right and trying to pump me up a little bit. We checked with him from time to time if he was okay. Uh, we couldn't tell if he was comatose or <laughs> in shock, but uh, he just, would nod. He wouldn't speak. He just nod that he was okay. At halftime, instead of being 12 minutes, I think it's like 36 minutes or something. And um, so the who are like rocking in the background and I'm, you know, panicked out of my mind. But I think coming out of the locker room was the biggest thing I think as players was you know this is you're keeping the biggest secret at this moment you know you're, you're trying to hide that and, you know, and as a player you're almost like man I can't give anything away you know and I think everyone probably felt the same way because you're getting ready you know what's going to happen and the other no one else knows so there's only you know maybe 70 guys in the world that know that you know and you have to keep this a secret I was I was warming up how I normally would and uh, my buddy had just been drafted by the Colts that year it was their punter and kickoff uh, specialist so we were warming up next to each other and I last thing I said to him before we, we kind of went to our sidelines was um, you know tell your returner not to even uh, bother bringing it out it's gonna be out the end zone something like that and he's like, oh, okay, yeah, let's see what happens. Steps into the football, and it's an onside kick. And it's going to be covered up by Chris Reese, I believe. He had it momentarily. They're still fighting for it. No indication as yet. And the Saints football. They recover the onside kick. What a fearless start to the second half. Really unbelievable decision by Sean Payton. He went out there and, and performed it perfectly. We recovered the, the kick and get another position. We knew we had to steal a possession. If Peyton Manning would have gotten that ball at the 40-yard line going in, would have scored, would have put him up 17-6, to six. That's, that's hard to come back from. First thing I do remember was Jonathan Casillas coming from our right side to the left all the way across. He's really the hero of the play. Chris Reese did recover it, but Casillas, um, Jonathan Casillas ran all the way across and like speared some guy that was trying to take that ball from Chris. 
and if you watch the replay, you can see him come in and just hit this guy. Perfect, and Chris will tell you, he kind of had the ball lodged between his legs and had a hold of it, but he didn't have it, you know, into his chest. Uh, Jonathan, uh, Jonathan's a key guy on that play. Um, you know, his ability to go in there. And we've always really challenged our players anytime there's a there's a scrum like that, you know, you have to be in the fray. It was on after that. It was just, it was on. So, um, and just, yeah, it was, it was almost like a Saints home game. I just remember that too, because our, sec our section was, I guess, more of, the thing. it just felt like a home game. Just crazy, crazy. It was just unbelievable, unbelievable. But that's what you got to do to win the Super Bowl. So, you know, Sean Payton know how to step up to the plate. Uh, Hartley kicks three field goals of over 40 yards. Never been done before in the Super Bowl. We do the onside kick. I mean, that's crazy. You know, I, I still don't believe it happened. I, I really, I keep saying that. I still don't believe it happened, but it did. It definitely changed the momentum because it, uh, I, fr I think from there on out, we knew we were going to win. We knew that it was it was our time. But when he came out, when Chris Reese came out with that ball, we were like, yeah, it's not gonna happen today, Indianapolis. Sorry. Set up screen to Thomas inside the ten. Thomas weaving at the five, and he's in in the set to take the lead at the Super Bowl. Second and goal. This time they got the catch and the touchdown. Jeremy Shockey picked off. Look out! It's past Manny, and it's Tracy Porter taking it all the way. Touchdown, New Orleans. Fourth and goal. Manny. Incomplete. The Saints are going to do it. A franchise that was born eight months after the first Super Bowl game. They struggled for years. They have been the full embodiment of their community. A sign of hope. The Saints, they sought respect. And I tell you, Mardi Gras is about to break out here in Miami. But it was, uh, it was unbelievable. And you could see that, I mean, the, the, the way the, uh, uh, it, the city just was unbelievable. I mean, the, the way they, uh, what happened after when they won the game and the, the people that turned out was just colossal. That'll never happen again, I don't think. Me, as a specialist, anytime I feel that sort of pressure or anxiety to perform, I can go back to that time and say, I've done it in the most heated of times. And it gives you a kind of a positive calm about whatever you're about to do because you know you came through in the biggest moment ever. That was a special time. That was a special team. It was a special season. Um, was it a big place? Sure, but doggone. Uh, Porter's play was big, and, 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 and Lance Moore's two-point play was big, and we are a team, and it's the ultimate team sport, so we're just happy that we had the ability to contribute in our way to uh, help us win a world championship, because we'll, 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 you know, that's never can be taken away, so that's all special for all of us, not just that one play. Auctioner believes the best way to predict the future is to invent it. Here, our doctors and staff are changing lives day after day. 
Every week, I'm operating on babies who are days old with hearts smaller than walnuts. We're giving these kids a life they wouldn't otherwise have, a chance to grow up. Sometimes cancer patients come who were told they were out of options, but Auctioner has the most clinical trials in the state. It's amazing to be able to give second chances. We're always a step ahead, even with simple things like getting you in to see a doctor today versus a week from now, so what you have doesn't become something bigger. It makes a difference. Every day, Auctioner is creating a better future by looking forward and thinking differently to find life-changing solutions. That's healthcare with peace of mind. Appointments are available today. Call 866-AUCTIONER or visit auctioner.org. We all know Saints fans are humble, hardworking, likable, and the most devoted fans in the league. All of that takes energy. The energy you get from a warm bowl of Campbell's Chunky Soup. Its meaty goodness fuels the greatness of Saints fans everywhere. Try the delicious Chunky Chicken and Sausage Gumbo. Just visit your local supermarket and ask for Campbell's Chunky Soup, the hearty way to fuel your game, and the official soup of the New Orleans Saints. Take flight with your New Orleans Pelicans and have an amazing game night group experience that you can customize to meet your group's needs. Bring your family, friends, or coworkers, and we'll bring the fun. Make lasting memories while you sit back and enjoy the excitement of watching the world's best athletes and ask how you can be a part of the action on center court. For more information and to book your group night, call 525-HOOP or visit pelicans.com today. Punt, pass, kick, and dunk. Lob to the rim, alley-oop dunk, Anthony Davis. This is the Black and Blue Report. Saints and Pelicans fans, we hope you enjoyed reliving the ambush from the Saints Super Bowl victory and enjoyed Jim's insight into the Pelicans season heading into the Jazz game on Wednesday night. Chevron also recently partnered with the Pelicans and the Greater New Orleans Sports Foundation and the Boys and Girls Club of Southeast Louisiana to refurbish the Boys and Girls Club in Covington's Clubhouse Basketball Court. That basketball court, as well as a new playground, was unveiled today at a ribbon-cutting ceremony. Kids also got to participate in a little mini-basketball camp. Great work being done by the Pelicans in the Greater New Orleans community. Pelicans back in action tomorrow night at the Smoothie King Center, and we'll see you there. Enjoy celebrating this beautiful seven-year anniversary of the Super Bowl victory. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report, presented by ABC Insurance Agencies. A better choice for insurance. If all goes well, we'll be back tomorrow. Tune in each weekday at noon central or at your convenience exclusively online at pelicans.com and neworleansaints.com. Follow your teams direct from the source. The Black and Blue Report.